So here's, here's the beautiful thing before I read. It's like this, this time to gather and to fellowship is powerful. And I'll just say that for me, um, this morning at the beginning of the service, that, that, that's powerful how God is moving in this community. And I'm, I'm humbled by this. Um, but this, this is the word um, that God has for us today. This is from Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at the place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. So, yeah, Genesis 2. Starting verse 18, you can uh, certainly follow along if you need a Bible. There's one at the welcome table. Hold on, let me get this situated. All right, now let me tell you how God will humble you, all right? Yeah, so y'all can kind of get the drift of what I'm going to preach about today, um, in case you don't know. And, you know, what? I, me and my wife got into an argument last night, and it was my fault, y'all. It was my fault. And I'm sitting there all, the whole time thinking, doggone it. I'm about to preach about marriage. <laughs> See here looking like a fool. Now listen, God is gracious. God is gracious. All right, so we often hear statements kind of like this. You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, this, this idea that, that men and women are just like completely wholly different or, or this idea that there is, they're always in some sort of conflict with one another. And the question is, is are, are men and women meant to be opponents to one another? Are they, are they doomed to always misunderstand each other? I think that's kind of the picture that the world would paint sometimes. But this creation story paints a very different picture of the relationship between men and women and what is supposed to be. Now, I'm going to say this. Now, if you are not married, don't turn your ears off because I'm not just going to be talking about marriage, okay? All right? Just... The creation story paints a very different picture. And what we learn from the creation story and from the scriptures in general is that God accomplishes his purposes through men and women working together. That God accomplishes his purposes through men and women working together. Lord, I ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, help us to understand your word. And Lord, would you help us to apply it? Lord, would you be present with us, speaking to each of us? Pour out your spirit. Amen, amen. So before we get into the weeds of, of Genesis 2 in this passage, we need to, to back up for a minute and, and ask ourselves the question, before we get into like what, what are men and women, let's, let's say what is the purpose of humanity? What is the purpose of humanity? In Genesis 1, uh, verses 27 and 28, God gives this, this very clear statement. It says, so God created man in his own image. 
He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So God made people in his image to be a reflection of him to share in his benevolent rule of creation. This is crazy when you think about God's generosity from the get-go. The king who does not need any partner, the king who can accomplish everything by himself, says, you know what? In my grace, I'm going to create this species called humanity, and I want to share my rule, share the joy of creation with them. In other words, God wanted his blessing to have a ripple effect. You've seen when a stone kind of goes in the water and just kind of ripples, 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 and you see the the good and wonderful character of God was meant to be reflected as we were created in his image and spread throughout the earth. So the goodness of the creator was supposed to be reflected in the goodness of his creation. Not only were they it's supposed to be uh, reflected, but, but we have this picture of God who rules, reigns, and creates. And when he created humanity, he gave them a charge not to create, but to steward what he created. Now, theologians call this, as a fancy name, they call this the cultural mandate. This, this command from God to, to make something of importance out of the raw materials of the earth. It's, it's this ongoing charge to humanity and the power and the blessing of God to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and to gently subdue and cultivate the earth. See, it's God's nature to bless. It's in his nature. And he created us to be a blessing to everyone and everything around us. That is the original intent. The idea is this, you know, sometimes when you're talking to somebody, whether it's how they look or what they're saying, you're thinking, man, you just like your daddy. Are you just like your mom? Now, we hope that's good, all right? Now, sometimes it's not. But the idea is this, that, that when we would interact with one another, the creational intent is, oh, man, you, you remind me of the Father, you remind me of the creator, the one who out of his abundant goodness used all of his power and authority to create us and to bless us. Your nature to want to bless others. This idea of this, this goodness that is latent in humanity is supposed to point us to the creator. And God gave him this charge to, to multiply. In other ways, like, otherwise, he's like, I want my presence through my people to cover the earth. He gave them this charge to, to tame the earth. See, God wants there to be structure and order for the good of all. Now, listen, I don't know if you're an outdoors person. I'm, I'm an indoors person. Uh, but if you're an outdoors person, you know, if you go into the jungle, that's cool and everything. You might get some berries or something. You might get eaten. I don't know. But it's not like the, the, the most awesome thing. But listen, when somebody takes a piece of land and makes it a farm, there's some more stability to it. Yeah, you get more food from it. You're probably not going to get attacked by the pig. You feel me? So the idea is this. The idea is this, that, that, that God created us to flourish in structure. Now, a lot of times we want to throw off all types of, of bonds, throw off all types of structure, any type of limitation. We see that as our enemy when God in his grace wanted us to live within the structures and the bounds that he created. 
See, ultimately, they, that, God, that people, they were supposed to glorify God and get this, and be happy. They were supposed to glorify God and be happy. Isn't that nice? By reflecting God's character, they would honor him. But get this, by reflecting his holy character, they would be happy. Have you ever done something good and been happy afterwards? Most of the time, that's how it is. Right? You're like, oh, man, I'm glad I did the right thing because if I would have done the other thing, I would have been sad. But now I'm happy. Listen, listen, God's commands and our happiness are not at odds with one another. Okay? God's commands are for our joy. They're for our good. And so when we come up against God's law and this part of us goes, oh, I don't know about that. No, you got to fight that. You got to fight that because, no, his commands are good. The scripture says they're not burdensome. Therefore, you to have joy and happiness. And so this is the, the overall commandment. It's like, hey, I want y'all to be fruitful. I want y'all to remote, multiply. I want y'all to reflect me. I want this, this good blessing to have ripple effects throughout the world. Now, we see that God created Adam first, and we, we see that man needs a, a suitable complement to fulfill the purpose of God. In verse 18, it says, then the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Now, listen, a lot of times we hear that word helper and we're like, we think that means like lesser or something. But I want you to understand something. Helper does not mean lesser. The term in scripture is also used of God. Psalm 70 uh, verse 5 says, I am oppressed and needy. Hurry to me, God. You are my help. And my deliverer, Lord, do not delay. In other words, it's not saying someone, something that's weaker. That's not what it's saying. It's, it's, it's someone to do something for you that you cannot do. And that if they were not there, you would be in trouble. All the husbands said, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it worked. Yeah. So again, for, get it in your mind. God's not saying uh, man than woman. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a picture that is incomplete. There is a function that does not work if I don't create both man and woman. And men and women have to work together to fulfill this cultural mandate, this, 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 to be able to bless and, and, and steward God's creation. Now, Adam cannot fulfill, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and tame it by himself. But I want you to understand something. This points to biology, but it's not only that. All right, this is biology and beyond. I don't know, have you ever been in a meeting where it was all, all the same gender and y'all have an idea and then somebody from the opposite sex comes in and they come up with an idea. You're like, well, dog, I would have never, I would have never thought of that. No, God brings us together so that there would be fullness. See, you get this whole different perspective. Like I, I've, had, I, I've had this recently. So for like two years, every week I had a staff meeting. With, it was me, John, and Caleb. Okay, that was, that, you know, it was, we all smart and stuff. But, but listen, Christine started coming to the staff meeting. Okay? And she started making suggestions. We were like, well, dog. We never, we would have never thought that's a good idea. She's like, should I do that? Probably. That's an awesome idea. See, see, men and women add death and diversity to God's good creation. Do you see that God did not make us to be enemies? Do you see that God did not mean that, that there would be a wedge driven between us? goes on to say that, that people are meant to, to rule over a created thing. Look at 19. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal, every bird of the sky, and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. 
Now, listen, Adam began to, to function in that, that idea of taming, of subduing the earth. In the Old Testament, to name something means to have authority over it, right? Your kid, kids name toys. Why? And it's my toy. Don't touch with my toy. You name your dog. It's just your dog because you named it, okay? Adam was to use this authority to glorify God. See, see, creation has, again, raw materials that can be used to help. And, you know, think about the history of transportation. First, it was a horse. I'm glad we don't ride horses a lot, but, you know, they had a horse. And then somebody decided to make a wheel. All right, and they used some raw material, maybe it was wood. Then somebody figured out how to make an engine, and then we got places a lot quicker. And then somebody put an engine in the plane, all right? The whole idea is that we're using these raw materials, and you might think, well, what does that matter? It means that when you want to go see your grandma, you can get on the plane. <laughs> it helps you. God, God has made us to use the raw materials, listen, not for our selfish gain, but for the good of those around us. Now, this is the inverse of what Paul is describing in Romans 1.23. Romans 1.23 talks about the fall. And we all know that this garden of paradise didn't stay that way. In Romans 1.23, it says, They, humans, they exchanged the glory of of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-finned animals, and reptiles. In other words, God created humanity to rule over creation. Yet what happened is that we became enslaved by the very creation that we were meant to tame. And y'all are like, I don't be worshiping no animals. Maybe not, but we do worship material things. We, we do worship money. We do worship status. See, these, these things that God has given that were meant to be used for, by us for the blessing of others in sin, what it does is it, it takes those things that we were meant to use and it puts, us, it puts those things over us and we begin to revolve our lives around things that are created. And it inverses the whole thing. Whereas we were supposed to use creation to bless, then we begin to hoard. We're supposed to use creation to help, but then we begin to steal it from other people. This is, this is the, the, the flaw in sin and the flaw of idolatry that we take something, the goodness of creation that was supposed to be utilized to bless others and we use it to hurt others. You know, mankind made planes, but we also made guns. Yeah. See, see the, the, the materials that are no longer used for God's glory and the good of neighbor, but but for selfishness and greed. Now, here's the deal. Adam, he started to fulfill this mission of, you know, he's naming animals, you know, like doing all this kind of stuff. But, but he can name them, but there's some stuff he can't do by himself. So God specifically makes a woman to compliment the man. Verse 20, the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So Adam figures out very soon, he's like, I can't fulfill all the commands by myself. I need some help. I can name the animals, but I can't, I can't reproduce. He, he, he needed a woman and God and his great. Listen, when God presents something to you, it's a gift. When God gives you something, it's a gift. And see, here's the deal. We need to see the opposite sex as a gift. 
That like, the, the kind of the, the, the words that kind of float around our, our culture is that may, maybe sometimes women think men are, are meant to be fooled and tricked. And sometimes men think women are meant to be dominated. But beloved, that is not how you treat what God has given you as a gift. You need to watch out how you treat what the creator has given you as a gift. Particularly, let me, let me just hone in a little bit. Particularly, men should see women as individuals worthy of protection and value. Now, statistically speaking, men are usually bigger and stronger. I'm not saying every man is stronger than everyone, but statistically, this is true. And when people use their advantages and their power and their privilege to sin, that's called oppression. I want you to understand something. God does not like oppression. God is, is very angry. Like, like, it's one thing, I've said this before, like, if my kids are fighting, that's bad, right? But if I beat up my kids, that's really bad, right? Right, because I'm using my power, my authority in an abusive way. And I want you to understand something, that God judges those who oppress others. And so if men use their, 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 their physical stature to oppress women, I want you to understand that there will be a day when you stand before God and God is not going to be light in his judgment with you. The other thing we see in this text is that, that sex and gender are not obstacles to human happiness, but gifts from God. Gifts from God. You know, in Christianity, male and female bear the image of God together, with neither male nor female able to express it fully without one or the other. We, listen, God has given these distinctions as a gift. And I love when, 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 when Eve is created, you can see from the words that come out of, his, out of Adam's mouth, he cherishes her. Listen to this quote from Matthew Henry. This is a Bible commentary from the 1700s. Listen. He's, he's, he's quoting, uh, he's talking about this passage. He says, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. This is the type of relationship that God wants to see reflected in marriage. In other words, husbands, cherish your wife. Cherish your wife. Not someone to be dominated, not, not someone to control, but someone that, that you would care and love. And in verse 23, we see that, that, that here's the interesting thing. We always start, when we talk about men and women, we always start with their differences. But in verse 23, we see that men and women are similar and equal. Listen to the poem that Adam said. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman. Excuse me, this one will be called woman for she was taken from man. Adam did not begin with how different Eve was from him. You hear that? He's like, look at this completely different species. No, no bone of my bone. Flesh, like, like he's, he's like, oh, we're similar. Listen, listen, listen. Men and women are not different species. We don't need, we need to be careful not to over-exaggerate the differences. That reinforces unhealthy stereotypes. Yeah? Uh, let, me, let me make it plain. Make it plain. People like, men are strong. Well, there's strong women too, yeah? Yeah. Men are smart. So are women. It's not like different species. They're complementary, but they are similar. 
Both are made in the image of God. Both have virtues that honor God and serve others. In other words, we're not wholly same, but neither are we wholly different. This means there is hope to understand one another. Yeah? God didn't say, you different, you different. He said, you a little different, you a little same. So, so by God's grace, you can understand each other. By God's grace, you can work together to accomplish something good. Now get this. This cultural mandate, this idea that people were, were supposed to subdue the earth and multiply, this cultural mandate was meant to be fulfilled through marriage and the family. Look at verse 24. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, Jesus makes a commentary on this verse in, in Mark, and he says, listen, if you want to understand what marriage is, look at this verse. See, Jesus sees this as an important to understand marriage. This is the intention and the model of human flourishing. That there were, remember we talked about how you can have a jungle, jungle and it's all right, but you might get eaten, or you can have a farm, okay? Marriage is the farm. Ma- marriage is the structure. That, that is the place of, of, of safety, the place where God intends that, 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 the, the, that human beings would flourish and that they would tame and subdue and bless the world. See, marriage is intended to be a stable institution for, for a flourishing society. These are some statistics. It says children raised in married homes are more likely to attend college, are physically and emotionally healthier, are less likely to be abused, less likely to use drugs. Not only that, the statistics show that marriage is the safest relationship for women. A 2002 study found that cohabitating couples reported rates of physical aggression in their relationships three times higher than those reported by married couples. What this means is that God's commands are not arbitrary. He's not just saying stuff. That secular and social scientists can look at society and say it probably goes better for people, for women, for children if there is marriage. If there is a monogamous marriage. Now here, here's, here's what I'm not saying. Always, whenever you say something, you always got to say what you're not saying. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that married people are more holy. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. There's this guy named Jesus. You heard of him? Uh, he, he was single, okay? Uh, there's this other guy named Paul. You heard of him? You know, he was apostle and he wrote scripture. Anyway, so that's, I'm not saying that's not what I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying there's no reasons for a marriage to end. There's abuse, infidelity, abandonment. Beloved, we have to protect people. And I'm not saying that God cannot redeem mistakes and suffering. But what I'm saying is that Christians can honor God through God-honoring singleness or faithful God-honoring marriage. And that this institution was created by God, not arbitrarily, but for our good. But our sin and our weakness has marred it, has it not? Listen, we are sinned against. We go through suffering, and and let's be honest, sometimes we sin towards our spouse. But God, in his mercy, still shows grace. So you got this intention. So God created humanity. He wanted humanity to spread and multiply and gently subdue the earth. And his, his very clear intention is that they would do this. They would do this through marriage and family. But if you look at the earth, it, it kind of looks jacked up, Yeah. 
So, so what happened? What happened? Sin happened. And God in his grace has redeemed humanity's mission to spread the goodness of God in the world through his son. Now listen, when God wanted to, to spread this mission, he, he made a man and that man fell asleep. And from that wound in that man's side, there was this creation called woman. And they were supposed to multiply. And then we got this sin that marred everything up. So God sent Jesus, whom the Bible calls the last Adam, who slept the sleep of death. And from his wounds came something called the church, his bride, through whom he is going to bring redemption and salvation and stability to the world. Beloved, the last Adam went to sleep for the creation of his bride. In Ephesians 5.32, this is interesting. It says, this mystery, he's talking about marriage. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. That marriage does not exist as an end of itself, but it exists as a picture of what Christ is doing. See, see we, this cultural mandate to, to be over creation was morphed into idolatry. So Christ came into the world to redeem us. And through his death, he creates a broad, broad and from his wounds came this water and this blood that creates and sustains his bride. And with this bride, God, he renews God's creation. I'm going to tell you something that sounds almost blasphemous, okay? I'm not a, bla I'm not a, I'm not a blasphemous person. But listen, God has created us in such a way that the mission of Christ does not happen without the church. You see what I'm saying? The mission that Christ has to rule and to reign and to bless the earth does not happen without the church. And he's so good. Listen, so Jesus institutes this great commission to establish this new humanity. Now, remember we talked about the cultural mandate. It was good. It is good, but it got marred. And so when Jesus rose again, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. See, God remakes people in Christ to spread his glory throughout the earth. God remakes people in Christ to tame the reper repercussions of sin. And just as men and women are vital in the cultural mandate, men and women have worked together to, to fulfill the mission of Christ. Now, here's the deal. The, the church, if you look at the, the most common language of the church, the church is the family that imitates Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. See, listen, we would be mistaken to think that complementarity is limited to marriage. If it were, then every single bereaved, divorced, or abandoned would be unable to reflect what maleness and femaleness are. In Scripture, however, male and female go all the way down. Mothers are different from fathers. Brothers are different from sisters. Grandmothers are different from grandfathers, and so on. 
So what we see in this picture of the church is that there is this, this vast extended family that, that works together, that there is mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. And listen, that, 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 that gender is not an obstacle to the working together, but God uses these different people and these, these two different genders to create something beautiful in the church. That one doesn't need to be sidelined. That one doesn't need to be silenced, but that both are necessary. When Paul is giving instructions to, to Timothy, his, his disciple, who's a, who's a pastor, in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, it says, Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. What he's saying is, listen, listen, live in the church as a family because that is what you are. And you need each other. I, I can't tell you, like, in the history of my life, how much I've been enriched by, 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 by various men who have been fathers to me. Or how much I have been cared for by women in the church who have been mothers to me. Or how much I have been held accountable by men in the church who were brothers to me. Or how much I have been encouraged. Like, listen, let's, let's keep it real. Like, let's just keep it real. It's so on Welcome Leadership Development. There, there, there's me and Caleb. There's some dudes and there's some girls. And we, we don't, the girls, they just stand in the corner. But Olivia comes and she tries to help them. And I'm like, thank you, sister. <laughs> we need that. We need, we need each other. We need men and women working together in Christ. And so what this is a call for you, particularly those who are older in the faith. Whether, whether you're married or not, listen, you are called to be a mother or a father in the faith. You are called to care for those who are younger than you. You are called to mentor those who are coming after you. And the reality is that we live in a society and in a community where there are broken families left and right because of sin. And people need daddies and mamas. And it's, the, it's you. They need you to be their daddies and mothers and uncles and aunts. We need a church who would take the responsibility of family seriously. Even though sin might have marred the family, Jesus creates a new one. And we can find safety there. Now, y'all, what this means is we have to affirm what Scripture says is good and is a gift. This means that we have to deal with our past misconceptions of what male and female means. Some of us have been uh, victims of, of abuse. Some of us have seen just horrible examples that has just morphed what we think a man and a woman is supposed to be. And all of us have to go back to the, back to the text and renew our mind and say, Lord, you teach me what it is to be a godly man. Lord, you teach me what it means to be a godly woman. I want my mind to be more shaped by the text of Scripture than by the culture. Yeah? Another thing, listen. In the church, we have to honor the institution of marriage. It is created by God. It is good. And it provides safety. It, I said it provides, say, listen, you want to be about justice? 
you want to care about the oppressed, then you uphold the institution of marriage. Because that is the means by which God protects so many. I'm done. <laughs> I see I didn't write a conclusion, so that, that's on me. But, uh, <laughs> but here's the deal, y'all. Here's the deal, y'all. I, listen, it is my, my hope and my prayer that our church would be a godly, extended family. Listen, you, you are not, I need to hear, y'all need to say this too. Sometimes people, when they get older, they think, what am I supposed to do in the church? You're supposed to be a grandma and a grandfather. We need people. We need all the ages. We need everybody engaged so that the family is held tight, so that the family is secure, so that people are cared for. One more anecdote and I'll be done. When, so the women had their Bible, the Women Reconcile Bible Fellowship on Saturday. And Becca came home, and she's like, we came up, well, her and Allison had come up with an idea. Like, we're just going to, we're going to make food and give it. We're going to make sure that we get it to the shut-ins and, and give it to the, the, the families of Welcome Leadership Development. We're just gonna, that's the next thing we're going to do. We're going to make food. And I thought, I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of that. But listen, listen, we need everybody in their unique giftings to step up and say, I will serve the church because this is God's family and this is through the means through which he wants to bless the earth. Christ Jesus is seated in heaven, but we are his bride carrying out his work here. So let's do it. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word, how it's not your, your commands, your law, they're not arbitrary, they're not burdensome, but they are for our good. And Father, I pray that we would see them as such. Lord God, I pray, um, Lord, for the, the marriages represented in our church, Lord God, that you would protect them, Lord God, that they would be beautiful pictures of, of Christ and the church. Lord God, I pray uh, for all of us, Lord, that, that whatever life uh, situation, whatever vocation, whatever calling that we have, that we would utilize everything that we have been given for your glory. Lord Jesus, use us to bless those around us. Use us to provide family for those who don't have it. Lord, help us be a stable place in a world that is not. Lord, would you do that by the power of the Spirit? Amen.